And um, in that suite, uh, I came across that and I said, yep, we better, better put that one. Uh, if, we, if we could just make it that simple. And the simple thing is we can make it that simple. We really can. Uh, we complicated. God really made it very, very simple. He said, you have everything. All I'm asking for is 10%. Plain and simple. So obviously we're continuing our series as we look this month of January at stewardship and, and what, what God does, not only asks, but, but it's actually a command. Uh, this, this is not suggestions. Uh, these are commands from God uh, to tithe, both in the Old and, and the New Testament. This whole giving is, is, is a command from God, and, and it's, it's a blessing. It's, it's not that God needs it, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but, but He just wants us to make that commitment to Him. Because as we make that commitment to Him in, in our tithes and offerings, we are, we are putting more of our trust in Him. And that's what God ultimately wants. He wants your full and complete trust. And one of the ways that he can have your full and complete trust is if he has full and complete trust with every aspect of your life. And obviously money is a big part of all of our lives. And so as we slowly but surely surrender that to him and really let go and not be grudgingly but, but cheerfully trust him, oh, we are, we are making him smile. And we are automatically meeting the needs of so many and extra blessings as a result. So let's begin with prayer. And then I'm going to look at our, our main text over in Deuteronomy chapter 14. And then today I want us to look at some biblical reasons to tie. Reasons that we really, really do need to tithe to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for making this part of our lives very simple. Making tithing and our giving very simple. Uh, it doesn't take a mathematician uh, too long to figure out what you want because you make it clear in your word. So I just ask today that you just speak to us and just Help us to enjoy learning to give if we are not givers. To enjoy learning to tithe if we are not tithers. And Father, I just pray that you will just continue to bless this congregation as we step out on faith more and more. As we learn and, and, and decide that we're going to commit ourselves to you. We're going to covenant with you by tithing to you and, and make that a part of our covenant, part of our agreement with you. So speak to us now, God. I just pray that you would be the message and the messenger, that you would just speak to me and everyone here. And even though some of this might, might seem old and rehashed, it really isn't. It, it should be new and exciting, and, and it should just help us all the more to be committed to you and to what you would have us to do as your children. So holy God and Father, help us as your children, to trust you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. 
Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Now, the first reason that we need to tie is because it's mentioned throughout the Bible and it's a way to show reverence to God. Now, finances, money, generosity, greed uh, are, are mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible. There's more about money and, and those types of things in the Bible than there is any other subject. Over 2,000 times there is uh, direct mention of, of something financial or greed or an attitude or, or something dealing with money. Now there are 39 parables in the New Testament and over half of them have to do with money or giving or again the attitude, greed, whatever it might be. Over half of the parables that Jesus taught. He talked about money more than he did any other subject. It's hard for us to fathom that, but when you really begin to break it down and research, you'll find that that is true. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount, if you remember a year or two ago, I did a, an entire series on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, some 30-some-odd weeks that we went through that. Three major sections on the Sermon on the Mount are dealing with money and finances and, and trusting God with, with what we have and, and what He's given us and on and on and on. So if you, if you really, really, really look at the Bible closely, and people say, oh, preacher, I hate it when you talk about money. Well, if I'm going to preach God's word, i got to talk about money. Because it's in here, throughout, over and over and over again. Money can rule our lives. In fact, it does rule many people's lives. Money can become a God, and it has become a God for many, many people. And so we, we really need to, to look at this important subject and, and look at what God says about it and then obey. That's plain and simple. We listen and we obey. We trust and we obey, just like that old hymn says. We trust what God says and we trust Him so much that we take a step of obedience. We take a step of faith. And we say, God, I've never done this before, but I'm going to do it. Now, I offer this in my Monday night group, and so I'm going to offer it to everybody. It's not just fair for, for the small group to have it. You tie for one month, and if you absolutely are losing money, if you are uh, absolutely uh, destitute, you know, you, you're like, I'm... I'm I don't have food and, and stuff, and you know I, I just can't make it. You, honestly, I cannot make it by tithing. I will personally, out of my account, well, Denise's account. <laughs> I will give give every penny that you've given to the church in that previous month back. That's how much I believe. Now, now you better be for real on this. Don't don't be messing with me because I'm not sure I'm going to come up with the money, but God will provide. But, but I, that's, that's, that's 
much I believe. I'm serious about this. That's how much I believe tithing works. I tithed a long time. And I'm not bragging when I say that. It's just, it, it's, I'm, I'm excited about that. And God blesses me and Denise and Saul more than we could ever imagine. And those of you that are tithers, and there are, there are many here, and I thank you, and I know God is so pleased. And you know exactly what I'm saying. When you, when you truly tithe, when you truly say, God, here, and you do it cheerfully, and you do it lovingly, and you do it as part of your worship, God says, oh, well, wait till you see this. And that's not why we do it, because then we got the wrong motive. With the correct motive, God blesses, and he blesses abundantly. But there's something else here in this first, first reason, and I mentioned it in, in, even in listing the reason, and that is our reverence to God. Let me go back and read verse 23 of Deuteronomy 14. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, and then notice, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. God is saying, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to give me this time. And there are specifics, and there's a lot of different specifics in the Old Testament. In fact, it was probably tougher for them in a lot of ways than it is for us because there are so many specifics. And so God says, I want you to gather at this particular place and I want you to, to enjoy the time. I just want you to enjoy this and, and what you're doing as you're participating in that time, you are realizing back home you've got 90% still. And you're just saying, God, this is the chance for me to worship. That word revere, people call preachers reverend, and I personally do not like that. Don't call me reverend because only God is reverend. Um, I, I, that is one of my pet peeves when these preachers come up to me and say, Hi, I'm reverend such and such. And one guy said, I'm right reverend. I said, well, where's the left? <laughs> so say, that just that's reserved for God. Because the word revere, the word reverend means to lift up and exalt. Why on earth would we exalt any man? That's, that's nonsense. We revere God. <laughs> we don't revere the creation. We revere the creator. And so I, I, just, I just want you to realize that as you are, are tithing, and as you, if you haven't started, you're going to start this month, and, and as you do that, you, you're going to have a chance to revere the Lord in, in maybe ways that you've never done before. And I think you're going to find yourself just being in awe of what you're doing for God and how you're lifting Him up. And I, and I am convinced God will, will bless those efforts. He will in a lot of different ways. It may not be you give $100 and He gives back $1,000. You may not get $1,000, but there's going to be other blessings how many times do we consider our health and, and, and just where we live in this great country and all that we have and in our, and, and our homes that we live in? I mean, we just worry, wow, and, and the vehicles and on and on and on and on. We are such a blessed people. Well, why wouldn't we want to tie? And so I just encourage you to, 
to lift him up, to revere God and say, Lord, I'm making this commitment. And it may be, husbands, you're going to have to sit down with your wife and say, you know what? It's time. It's time. We, we need to do this. We're Christians. We are children of God. We are part of his beloved. We need to, to do what the scripture says we are to do. And again, it's nowhere do I see this as a suggestion. It is always a command. But it's not a command that is God trying to lord over us. It's a command that, that's God saying, do this so that I can really, really, really bless you and, and minister through you and to you and on and on and on. Now, the, the second reason, and this is an important reason, Christians need to set the example for the world around us, those outside of Christ, and for each other. The world around us and each other. I'm sure you realize this, but that the world is so consumed with stuff. I mean, the day before Christmas, Stuff Mart was running out of stuff. And they always have stuff. But there's such a, a wow, love and, and almost worship of, of getting stuff, of, of getting uh, things and, and more and, and more and more. The biggest, the latest, the best, the most. All of this drives our very being, or it certainly drives the world. They just, they just got to have the latest gadget. They've got to have the latest of this. They've got to have the biggest and the best of this. And, and on and on and on and on. Let me ask you one question. What drives you? Are, are you succumbing and kind of becoming like the world and you're all caught up in this stuff stuff? You know, last week I, I told you that throughout this series I'm going to make a, some bold statements. And I encourage you to write last week's down, and I encourage you to write this week's down. Here it comes. Here's the bold statement for today. And it's kind of in the form, more in the form of a question than a statement, but it's, it's something that I hope you'll think about. Are you affecting your culture more spiritually, or is your culture affecting you more worldly? Feel free to write that down. I'll say it again. Are you affecting your culture more spiritually or is your culture affecting you more worldly? Now, John says you, you have to live in this world, but you don't have to be of this world because this world is not our home. If we collect and accumulate all the stuff that money can buy and we say, look at all my stuff, and look at this gadget, look at this, look at that. And, and the trumpet sounds and we're still playing with our stuff. Uh, oh, oh no. Because folks, we can't get comfortable in this world. We can't get comfortable in this life. We've got to be careful that we do not become consumed with all the consumption that's around us. Now, I know it's tough. And I watch TV like you do. And I know there's commercials all the time. You know, Denise and I are really trying to 
cut back and, and everything on our, on our intake of food and stuff. And, and so we decided we're just not going to eat after supper. And that's when they show those best food commercials. That Big Mac just gets bigger every week, I'm telling you. But that whole consumerism and the whole idea of you got to, got to, got to have it, have it. And, and, and I know, you know, people at work, oh yeah, I got this latest whatever, kids at school, oh I got this for Christmas and blah, blah, blah. And you think, well, I got to have one too. Well, let's be careful that we don't get so caught up in this world's culture that we lose what's most important. That we lose what is spiritually important to God. That we lose even our relationship with God. That we get so consumed with, with all this stuff that the stuff becomes God. Because don't you think for a moment it can't happen. It very will, can and will happen if, if you're not careful. We have a world that worships sports. Some of you probably come to first service so you can make sure you're at the game or ready to watch the game later. And that's, you know, it's okay to watch a game. But, but our, our world is consumed with, with a love for sports and, 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 and almost a, to the point of some, to the point of God. And same thing with, with consumerism, with, with buying all this stuff. We've got to have it, we've got to have it, we've got to have it. And I'm just not happy until I get this. And a lot of times we'll think, you know, if I just get this whatever, oh, that'll do it. So you get it. And then two weeks later, the next model comes out. Oh, that one does, oh, I, I know what I said, but did, did you see that one? Did you see what that's capable of doing? Oh, I... Just that one will take care of it. And the people making all these products that are of this world and can care less about God and, and His principles, they're going to come up with another gadget two weeks after that. And it just, if we're not careful, we're just going to get caught up in this vicious cycle and just never get out of it. So we need to be setting a godly example for those around us, kids at school, let me tell you something. If your friends are not Christians, you need to be setting a godly example in every aspect of your life, in every piece of the pie of your life. There needs to be Jesus shining through so that those other kids will see Christ in you. And they will be drawn to him. That doesn't just apply for the kids. That applies for all of us. That applies for each and every one of us as adults. Because when we go to work, there's all kinds of people around us that are probably not Christians. And we really need to apply biblical principles to our lives. We need to live in a way that is different from the world so that the world can see very, very clearly. The world can see that we are different. And I hope and pray that there will be some curiosity. Why are you different? What's going on? What's up with your life? You're not all consumed with all this stuff. What? Why? Are you just an old fuddy-duddy? No. I'm just investing my riches into something that is eternal. Not where, as Jesus said in that Sermon on the Mount, where moth and rust can destroy and steal and all that 
Not where all these things can be just lost in a moment's notice. Last night, we were out for a while, and I came in, um, got home before Denise and Saul did, and uh, I went to unlock the door, and I realized it was already unlocked. And you know, the first thing you, you, you're like, is there somebody here? You know, you kind of get a little quick little panic, and so I just did a, a really quick survey of, of the downstairs, and I thought, I think we're good. So I went upstairs and, and went to bed. But, but uh, you know, we, we, we just... We just kind of get so thought of, oh no, what if they came in and stole something? Maybe they need it worse than we do. And certainly they need godly principles to know that that's not how you accumulate. And so we just need to, to be careful that we're setting the right example for the world around us. Not just becoming a part of this consumer craze. And not just becoming a part of the statistics. And not just becoming another one that gets all caught up in the things of this world. I remember a great old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. The things of this world grow strangely dim. In what? You finish it. In the light of his glory and grace. Yeah. That's, that's where it's at. We, we know that. We just, between Sunday and Saturday, or Sunday and Sunday, we sometimes get caught up in all the hoopla, and we might forget that. So let's not be like the rest of the world. In fact, let's be so, so different that the world might even consider us to be peculiar. Peter told us to be that, a very uh, peculiar race. To be a, a holy priesthood of God. All of those descriptions that he gave us, the church. Now there's, there's one verse that I want us to, to look at here. That's pretty important. And it's over in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Just, just listen to this. Or if you want to turn to it, you can. But, but just, just notice these words. Paul, of course, is writing to Rome. A, a, a church in Rome. And Rome is, is as, about as wicked as they get all the stuff that they were caught up in. And Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now notice verse 2, and I've used this verse many, many times, but it fits here very appropriately. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, I could, could easily say do not conform any longer to the consumerism, the God of habit of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you're thinking not about stuff. You're thinking spiritual. You're thinking about what's most important. Your mind is not consumed with the things of this world. It, that, those things are growing strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You're, you're thinking and focusing on what's really important. Transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You probably have seen the bumper sticker. I, I've seen several of them. I owe, I owe, is off to work I go. And unfortunately, that's, that's, that's some, some people's whole life. They owe, they owe, so it's off to work they go, and, but as soon as they get off work, they go buy more stuff. 
So they can owe and owe and owe and get, you know, I guess if they don't owe, there would be no reason to work, and they have to work to have something to do in life. So they, they, they get way in debt so they can owe, so they can go to work. What? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's, that's the mindset of this world. Why? Because Satan is the prince of this world. That's what he's just kind of put in everybody's minds, and people don't even know any difference. <clears throat> 88% of the American population has more debts than assets. 88%. Money is a factor in 90% of divorces. The average family in America carries a credit card debt of between eight to $10,000, and many people have more than that. That's the average. So Christians, beloved, we need to redefine the word want and the word need. I, you know, people say, oh, I need that really bad. Need it or want it? I, sometimes we, we run those two words together and we try to almost interchange them. Making them the same meaning and they are not. They never have been. And honestly, they never will be. There are needs. And God promises He will take care of our needs. But it's our wants that control us. It's our wants that gets us out of control with God and with money and with credit and everything else. And so we, we really need to, to look closely at those two words. And maybe we need to back off the want and look at the needs and then the day that God stops providing your needs, then you can stop tithing. The day that God says, I'm not meeting your needs anymore. Then you say, well, fine, I'm not going to tithe anymore. I don't think that's going to I know that's not going to happen. Even kids get consumed with, with this money stuff at an early age. There was a, a grandmother that took her her grandson to, to church one Sunday morning. He really didn't want to go. But she says, you're going. So they calm down and they sit down and she gives him a quarter. She goes, now I want you to put this in the offering plate. He goes, I don't want to put it in the offering plate. She says, I want you to put this in the offering plate. It's your offering to God. Well, I don't want to give God an offering. You put this in the plate. Okay. So the offering plate comes and boy, he's, he's squeezing. I mean, he is holding on for dear life and he finally lets go and he tinkles into the offering plate. Well, he's just continuing to be restless. And so she finally says, do you want to go downstairs to Children's Church? And he said, yes, I do. So she gets up to take him downstairs to Children's Church. He happens to bump into that usher that took up the offering. He said, um, I need my quarterback. We're not staying. <laughs> you see, if we're not careful... We can get so consumed with, with money and things. I had a little kid when I was uh, uh, living in Illinois. I was a little older, so they let the, the junior high and high school kids take up the offering at Vacation Bible School. And we, we did that. We met them actually at the door as the kids came in. We just had them drop their money in, in an offering plate. And this, this little boy uh, put in a quarter and he started reaching in. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I need change. <laughs> Because I want to stop on the way home and get some bubble gum. I said, no, you're not, dude. Your quarter is mine. Thank you. 
So we're, we're so caught up in this stuff. And, and you know, parents, be careful. And I'm preaching to myself. Whoa. Be careful that you don't instill the wrong values into your children so that they grow up and get head over heels in debt just like you. It's wrong. It is not biblical. There's nothing biblical about going deep into debt. And so we need to, to really, really set the example. But we also need to set the example for each other. Over in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus is talking. These words are in red. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Did you see that last part? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Then he directly goes into a parable. I'm not going to read the parable. I, we're kind of pushed for time. So here's what I want you to do. Sometime today, read that remaining parable. It starts in verse 16. It goes down to verse 21. You can certainly read on because then he goes into do not worry. He, he, he's showing this parable of what happens when you get so caught up with things. And then he says, listen, don't worry. God, I'm going to take care of your needs. Go back to Matthew 6 and read it again. It's, it's practically the same thing. But I want you to read this parable because it's very important. And my goodness, the ending is, is woo, kind of kind of harsh. And so we need to focus and share God's given blessings with, with all the ways that he gives and blesses. We need to, 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 to let people know that, that we love the Lord. We are in love with him first and foremost. That he is the joy of our life. He is, he is our whole reason for existence. And he is. You were created for God, not for things. You were created for God not to collect stuff. You were created for God to, to be His and used by Him, for Him, and to love Him. That's why God put you on this earth. And as you live your life that way, people are going to notice. Because you're going to be so different than everybody else at school or at the workplace. And so I just encourage you to, to say, you know what? I am going to be different. I am going to be different. Jesus sees our future. On this earth, in this life, and in the life to come. He already knows your destination. He already knows the outcome. And it's based on how you've lived this life. I've often said and heard it said, this life is a test, and it really is. And if we pass the test, my goodness, do we ever graduate. But if we don't pass the test, we don't get a chance to repeat the grade. It's, it's a pass or fail. 
test. You either pass or you fail. And if you fail, the consequences are hell. Literally. And so we need to take this whole idea of, of giving just turning ourselves over to the Lord very, very seriously. There's one other reason that I want us to look at real quick. And that is the fact that God is the owner. God is the owner. Turn over to uh, Psalm 50, verse 7 through 12, if you would like to, or if you just want to listen, however you want to do that. Psalm 50, verse 7 through 12. Notice these words. If you're, if you're thinking it's all yours, maybe this will help you understand uh, things a little bit differently. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. God saying, I don't need your stuff. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all that is in it. That's God talking. That is not the psalmist talking. That is God talking. And he's telling you, he's telling me, he's telling the whole world if the world will listen. It's all mine. Now that changes everything. Suddenly, we have to decide, well, it's not mine, it's his. So what am I going to do with his? Suddenly, we, it changes how we approach our whole life. It's God's. It belongs to Him. And once we realize that God loves us with all His heart, and He does, and once we begin to trust Him, once we realize that, well, He owns it all, and, and He's just giving it to me to, to kind of be a good steward or to, to manage it, but yet He's still the owner of it, then we will very easily and confidently give back to him. We will give him what is already his. Now, this is a pretty good deal, folks. It's all God's. We saw that right there in Psalm 50. It all belongs to God. And so he's saying, all of it's mine, but I'm still going to allow you to keep 90% of it to use for yourself. All I'm asking is 10%. Show me that you love me. Show me that you trust me. Show me that you believe me. Show me that you believe my word. Like we said last week over in Malachi chapter 3, test me in this and see, God says. Show me. Let's, let's find out. I own it all. It's all mine, but, but I'm giving you management over all of it. But I am asking that you give me 10%. No, I'm telling that you give 10% of it back. 
Because in all of that, giving 10%, you're showing me that you love me, that you're devoted to me, that you believe in me, that you trust me, that you're willing to obey me, and on and on and on and on. I just want to share a couple of things real quick and then we're done. If every member of this church time, and I, I include you kids, I know you don't have a lot, because you're kind of dependent upon mom and dad, and maybe you get allowance or something like that, but if every single member of this church time, and I'm not talking about tithing what's left. I'm talking about when the paycheck comes in, you look at the check and you say, okay, I'm giving 10%, boom, right here. If every member of the church tithe, we would would definitely have this building paid off by the end of this year. Plus, I, yes I said plus, that's just one small part of it. Plus, if every member time, we would be able to increase missions like you would not believe. We would be able to disperse monies locally and throughout this world so that more and more and more people could come to know Jesus Christ before the trumpet sounds and, and it's too late. All it takes is committing to God. I am going to give you 10%. I am going to give you, out of my love, out of the joy of my heart, because I love you, not because I'm forced to, not because that stinking preacher told me I had to, because I love you, God. And I, I, I've seen it in here, and, and, and I do believe you, God. Or, I'm going to test you in this, God. I'm going to see what happens. And when you see the outcome, you're just going to have to smile. Because you will see how God has blessed and blessed and blessed. If every member of this church Body, Williamsburg Christian Church. Time. Only God knows the limits that can be done. We have sound equipment that needs to be replaced. We have a lot of stuff back there in the booth that is patched together with bailing wire and electrical tape and duct tape. We're hanging in there. We're, we're getting by. But if every member tied, we could do so much for his glory to bring him the praise that he deserves. So as we close out this morning, I just simply want to ask one question. Go ahead and stand up. I just want to ask one question. God on you? Let me ask it again in case you missed it. Does God own you? He wants to. You need for Him to. And if He owns you, then He owns every part of you. 
He said, well, yeah, God owns me. I'm a Christian. Good. Does he really own you? Because if you've not given every part of your life to him, he doesn't have complete ownership. Who wants partial when you can have all? Who wants just a little bit when you can have the whole pie? I hate it when they slice them pies into pieces. Give me the pie. And God is saying, give me you. Part of us giving him us. We're going to really go in great detail next week. But part of that is, is trusting and obeying. And say, Lord, I want to give you all. So if you haven't given all to Christ today, especially if you've never made him Lord and Savior, I, I want you to come down this aisle. So that you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can have those sins washed away. You can walk with Him. Now and forever. Or maybe you're a seasoned Christian. But you realize that God only has partial ownership. He's only got part of you. Let go. Just, just have enough faith to say, I trust you, God. And just say, God, I'm giving you all. And, and start it by coming down this aisle and just rededicating your life to, to give him all. Or maybe you want to be a, a part of the fellowship here already, an immersed believer in Christ. You want to be a part of the family here at Williamsburg Christian Church. Oh, wow. What a, what a great way to start the year as we see people respond and make decisions to to be a part of the family here, the specific family here. So, so you know all the needs and you know where, where you're at and God knows where you're at. So with that said, we're just going to sing. And whatever you need to do, do it for God as you give yourself to Him.